0: James chapter 1. I want us to look at these scriptures uh, together. It's quite challenging to be able to be reminded of how the Word impacts us. Remember last week I told you that we're shifting. We're kind of moving into this area where James really is going to hit us hard about how our faith should demonstrate itself in practice. How what we believe, our theology, should work its way out in how we act that there should be a behavioral difference between the Christian and the rest of those in the world. And he says here, there is something that should be different about us. Remember last week, we looked at verses 19 and 20. And I want to read those scriptures again for just a moment, because it impacted certainly me personally, but it obviously impacted some of you. Because some of you came to me this week, I saw you at different times, and you said that you had been using this scripture or at least the scripture had been using you and uh you had been working through it and i think most of you took it in a positive way some of you i think were ready to curse me after i read this scripture to you and you recognized kind of the requirements here but listen again to what he says he says so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath so he set it up for us he said guys gals It's time for you to listen. Now, I think that certainly meant to each other that we need to be people who are swift to hear, that we be quiet for a few moments, that we decide intentionally not to speak, that we intentionally decide we're not going to interject ourselves. We want to hear. Now, that's good in all of our relationships. Wouldn't you agree with that, ladies? Wouldn't you agree with that, that we need to listen? And some of your husbands need to listen, certainly. But in the context here, I think I think he's talking about the Word of God, especially as we're going to read through the next few verses. He says, when it comes to God's Word, we need to stop talking so much about it. And sometimes we need to stop and we need to listen to what he's saying to us. And when we listen to it and it begins to impact our hearts, we're not to get angry. He said we're supposed to be slow to wrath, so slow to angry. In other words... If the word of God is impacting us and there's conviction that's coming in our lives, we shouldn't get angry about it. Rather, we should see what God is trying to say to us and make the needed changes. Because he says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Because if you're just getting mad about it, you're not going to grow in your faith. Conviction needs to take place so you can grow. So look in verse 21. With this being said, of getting ready to listen and, and, and accept the word, he says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So hear what he says. is the continued message. He says, in other words, it's time for you to remove some things from your life. God's spoken to you about this. You are to remove those things from your life, and you are to receive the implanted word. Think about this moment. We preach all the time this idea of repentance. I will tell you that that idea, that concept of repentance, I think is, well, we're losing it a little bit in our culture today. I'm afraid we're not understanding exactly what repentance means. Repentance means that we have a change of mind, a change of will, a change of activity. In other words, if we truly repent of our sins, if we decide that we are going to repent, that means there is a total change in who we are. That means that we turn from our sins. That's what he's saying here, the wickedness and the filthiness. We turn away from those things and we turn to something. So, because get this, th- I love this, okay? I'm trying to get my watch here kind of <laughs> around, so I may knock it everywhere, all right? But that means I can watch it and I get out early, all right? So just bear with me. But think about this. You and I have been saved from something. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm saved from my sin, I'm saved from the punishment and the consequences that come from that sin. I'm saved from the eternal punishment that I so deserve. I'm saved from that. But I'm saved to something. There are two sides of this. It's not just that I've got my fire insurance so that one day I'll have eternal life. It's that I have now turned and I have been saved to service and salvation and life. I've been saved to a relationship with Jesus Christ. How incredible is that? And when we come to repent, what we say is, yes, we're giving up some things. But we're accepting so many more great things in life. We see the true blessing of heaven itself. God does a work within us when we repent of our sins. He does a work. He accomplishes something. Dr., uh, I think his name was Jim Bain. Some of you remember him. You ever run into Dr. Bain that was down in Baton Rouge area? Dale, you you did? You remember him? I thought he was an old guy like you uh, back in the day. Uh, Jim was pastor at Estrema. He At one time, he was at First Baptist Oxford, a good old Mississippi boy. Uh, Jim was. and And he used to say something to people, some people who would come to him and talk to him about repentance, about giving up things, about you know, I don't know if I can truly give these things up. And he always said, you know what? If you give your heart to Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus has a way of going into that heart and transforming your wants and desires. And he says he begins to change your wanters. He begins to work on what you really desire, what you really want in life. And it won't be quite so hard When you realize that you're not just taking away something, but you're replacing it with something so much better. And that is the case for us as believers. It's not just about giving up. It's about receiving the very word of life in our hearts. And that's what he's saying. Give up the filth. Repent. Go ahead. Listen. Allow the conviction to... Take part in your life and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That word receive is the same idea as being hospitable. Of like allowing somebody to come over and just kind of like be at home with you. Sometimes you host people, maybe your family members. Uh, The last couple of days... um, Leslie, I mean, Leslie got me. How should I say this? You didn't drag me to North Mississippi. You got me. She encouraged me highly to go to North Mississippi for uh, a little birthday party. And we got to see our family, you know, Friday night. We drove up Friday night. We drove back in yesterday. And uh, for the most part, they were hospitable. (laughs) For the most part, you know. My mama was. She was very hospitable. My mom, she had a coconut cake or something like that, which is good. So, you know, they were hospitable. They were like welcoming us into their home. You know, when you hear the word of God and you're studying it, you're seeing it, what you want to do is like say, okay, you can find a home in me. I want you to feel welcomed in my life. God, when you speak, I want the word to like take root in who I am. I don't want to sit here mad. I don't want to sit here talking, thinking about all the different things. I want to be hospitable to your word in my life. The same word is used in Acts 17. That word receive, it's used of the Berean Christians. This is the record Luke gives us. He says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Paul always did that on the missionary journeys. If there was a synagogue there... He went where he could find a crowd, where he could preach. Verse 11, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word in all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture because it tells us that the Bereans, when they heard it, they received it but they searched through the scriptures. They wanted to make sure that what Paul was telling them was in line with God's word. They were committed to it. And they were going to study it. And I just say this as a side. No matter who's preaching to you, whether it's Mitchell McCallan or whether it's Reggie Bridges or whether it's anybody else, you should always search the scripture and say, Is this true? You should always search the scripture. Because we should not be preaching our own agendas or by our own authority, but what we speak should always line up with this Word. And if we ever deviate from this Word, we need to be called to the carpet. Because this Word is the only place we find true authority. It's the only thing that changes people's lives. Not my opinions, but this Word. So the Bereans received it. In other words, they said, hey, let the Word come in. We want to welcome you. We're going to put out this welcome mat. So that your word can speak to us. And James says that's what we need to do in our hearts as believers. Is we need to turn away from those things that are not good. And we need to receive his word with hospitality. Verse 22. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. I mean obviously the idea is so clear for us. When the word really begins to impact you and you've welcomed it, when you've allowed it to come into your life, man, it starts to make an impact upon your actions and your behavior. I know you've heard me say this, but you're going to probably hear me say it a lot more. We ought not to expect unbelievers to act like believers. You just shouldn't. Don't, don't get all upset when an unbeliever acts Like an unbeliever? Don't get upset about it. You say, "Wow, do you just look at this culture or whatever else? Don't. Remember what we preach and teach? It is only by the transformation of the gospel itself and Jesus Christ coming in our lives that we can truly change. We make a difference. How do you think that they're acting? Why do you think they're acting the way they are? They do not know Christ. It is our mission to tell them of the good news of Jesus. But listen to me. You and I should expect believers to act like believers. I never expect an unbeliever to act like a believer, but I will tell you, I expect believers to act like believers. If we have studied the Word, we have heard the Word, this is not just theory. Sunday morning is not just to see how much we know. Your spiritual maturity is not how many Bible verses you can quote. I am grateful for Bible drills. I'm quite grateful for Bible knowledge, but that is not spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is allowing, is not just getting through the word, but allowing the word to get through you and allowing that word to transform you, that you are demonstrating the gifts of the spirit because you've studied it. and so impacted you. You're living differently. And how many of us in this place are still challenged to live differently? I hate to tell you, but I still got some rough areas besides my voice. I got some rough areas, and i'm I'm praying that the Lord will continue to transform me I'm not where I need to be, but as I study His word and the spirit of God comes in my life, He can transform me and I hope I look more like him today than I did yesterday, and I pray when He calls me home when he finally when he finally conforms me into his image I pray that I look more like him then than I do now because it's constant growth but we got to be doers don't just listen don't just sit there on Sunday morning and hear don't just come to a bible study and say man that was great that was awesome be changed again I think I've shared this but hey you getting this message for free tonight you know what I'm saying it's like I'm pulling all kinds of stuff I was preaching at Pine Grove Baptist Church. And there was a man who had been coming the last couple, three weeks, and he went out the back. I'll never forget it. It's been, oh my goodness, it's been 15 years now probably. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Reggie, he said, I want you to know that that message warmed my heart. Now my love language Outside of lemon icebox pies. My love language is words of affirmation. So, I mean, I loved it. It was awesome. i was so proud he told me that. I, I, I think I had been going through a tough time. And when he said that, I mean, it just kind of, it warmed my heart. I thought, man, it's cool. Three days later, he was arrested for abuse. Three days later. And I'm going to tell you, it just, I mean, it grabbed me. And and God spoke to me. God got a hold of me and he said, you know what? Reggie, instead of trying to warm people's hearts, maybe you need to pray that the word will transform their hearts. Now, I was praying for transformation before, but it really began to put clarity. That God, when I go out and preach, I'm not just trying to tickle the ears of those that would hear it. I'd not just entertain, but rather your word, when it is spoken, it would change and transform. And I still believe that. I preach every message believing that God has this message for that moment. I don't preach because it's the hour for the message. It's 6 o'clock or it's 11 o'clock. I believe I preach because it is the message for the hour. There's a difference. And the word can change people still transform people because we must become doers not just hearers we must be doers oh look at this verse 23 for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it Is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. He gives us this powerful image of the scripture as like a mirror for us. That's what he's using here. This illustration. He says, think about the way people will go to a mirror and they will look in it to see a reflection of themselves. I mean, how many of you this morning before you came to church looked in a mirror? Dwight, that explains things. Uh, <laughs> next Sunday, look in the mirror before you come to church, all right? Most all of you did. I did too. And I hate to break this to you, but i look better right now than I did before I looked in that mirror. Some of you say, well, man, that didn't help you much. But I do. Like it, it's almost frightening to walk into my bathroom sometimes in the mornings. And look in the mirror. Especially when I go through this time of sickness and everything else. I mean, it, it is bad. I've tried to prepare myself before I walk in there. Because, you know, especially when I have not had a haircut and I need one this week. Angie, Chris, tell Angie, please. Uh, I need a haircut this week. And my hair is long and it is every which direction. And I'm telling you right now with all the stuff, the crust in my eyes and my, I mean... It is bad. You would admit, hey, you know too, all right? Don't even act like, oh, I don't have that kind of stuff. <laughs> you do. That's the reason you look in the mirror. Because you want to prepare yourself before you go to church. You want to prepare. You want to make yourself. You want to make the necessary changes before you see somebody. Listen what he says. He says, when you look in the Word... Or you hear it? It's like a guy that looks in the mirror and he does nothing about it. He makes no changes. He just walks away. That's not helpful. Why'd you even have a mirror? Why'd you even glance in it if you weren't going to do anything? But, but verse twenty-five there. I love. I mean, I do. I just love this. It says, "He who looks into the perfect law of the liberty." In other words, looks into the. Word of freedom that God has given us when you look in it and you continue in it When you just long for it And you're not forgetful, you don't just walk away You don't just forget about the way you look, but rather You decide there's some changes to be made So many of us give so much effort to our physical appearance and that's okay. That's fine But how about the spiritual preparation we ought to be making in our lives? How about how we ought to pull out this mirror? We need to open it up and we need to look into it and we need to continue to long for it. Just dwell in it. And as we see imperfections, and we will, I told you a moment ago, I've got a lot of rough edges. You do too. When we see those rough edges through the power of the spirit and through the power of this word we make transformation. And we say God, we want to align this with your will now. We want to we want to do whatever we can to again conform to your image because when we look in the mirror, we don't want to see ourselves, we want to see you. We want to see you living through us. And that's what we want to recognize. He says that's the analogy and that's how we should go to the word and we should dwell within it and we should make the necessary changes for our lives. I am one of the first ones to admit that I do not take near the advantage of this word I should. And that's a preacher who studies and looks and this is such a great treasure for us. God did not leave us alone to try to somehow navigate the world by ourselves. He gave us one, his Holy Spirit to live within us. And he gave us his word to speak to us daily and to direct us and to guide us. We should always come back and just allow it to find a hospitable place and allow it to change us in who we are. So tonight in this place, I just encourage you, Hey, maybe it's a night where you just say, "I just got to recommit to His Word, bring it back in." Maybe it's a night we say, "I got to lay some things away, I've got to cast off some stuff, so that I can put in more." Maybe it's a night when you just need to look in the mirror and hear His Word and make the necessary changes, so that you're not just a hearer, but you're a doer. Of his work. Let's pray together. Father. Thank you for this time, and Lord, I do believe that you have given us this message for a challenge tonight. God, I pray I pray and I believe that you are speaking to us to lead us to moments of renewal and recommitment. To your word and this authority for our lives. God, maybe it's just time for us to put the welcome mat out again and say we, we invite you to just pour your word into us so that tomorrow when we go out, we look like genuine, authentic believers, not people who say one thing on Sunday and do something else on Monday, but just genuine people who love you, And who have sold out to your cause. Lord, I pray that's what you would find in the hearts of us as believers here in this place. Speak to us now. Lead us in this moment of commitment and invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?